Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Called Bank, where we're going to try to do our best quote-unquote deep dive of the NBA draft. Um, there's just a lot of variables this year that haven't been taken into account, I think, or have been taken into account, but just are so different from other years in the sense where it's so much harder to do tryouts and workouts and the combine has been messed up and just so many things that have resulted in us just having a very unclear vision of who's going to go where and what's going to happen. And it doesn't help that there's not really a consensus overall number one pick. Last year, it was Zion Williamson. I mean, however many years ago, it was LeBron James, and then it was Magic Johnson. And there have been those years where you know that you just have an amazing athlete and an amazing talent coming out of college or coming out of high school. And while, yeah, they might bust, like there's nobody else that you're going to take. And this year, I mean, you have LaMelo Ball coming from overseas. You have Josh, uh, well, I can't remember his first name. You have Weissman, the Memphis player who decided to just skip the season and work out, which, I mean, that seemed to be super dramatic when it came to basketball, you know, about a year ago. And then all of a sudden you have March Madness being canceled and everything that happened due to COVID-19. So it's been a crazy year for that for that man, and I'm interested to see where he'll go. And then... I mean, the Jazz, which is where we try to emphasize on and what we're most excited for, going on the 23rd pick. And so it'll be interesting to see what they do there and who kind of falls to them since, like we've said, it's just so much more up in the air compared to other drafts in recent history. Yeah, I think it's almost a, like a blessing in disguise that the Jazz have a lower pick in this draft because I think this draft is so weird and no one really knows the talent on a lot of these players because we didn't have a full college basketball season. So, And then a lot of like big-time players didn't play the whole season, like James Wiseman, where they got injured in the middle of it, so we don't have as much to watch there. Uh, you have players like LaMelo Ball, who didn't play in college, and you just have like one year of their professional play. And is that like LaMelo Ball? He didn't do great. I He did okay. Um, but is that is that a sign of saying, oh, he that was a good adjustment year for him playing with bigger players. So that will help him in the NBA still be less of an adjustment. Or is that a sign saying, oh, he's just not as good as we think he is. And then you have a lot of players that came into um, at the beginning of the college season people were saying they're going to be top 10 picks and now they're dropping down into the 20 range because they didn't have a great season in college. So the reason why I think the Jazz um, like is a good thing that they're a lower pick in this draft is because a lot of those top 10 talents, at least what people thought were top 10 talents, are dropping into the 20 to 26 range. And that's right where the Jazz are picking. And so they, if they can analyze things right, they could get lucky and get a top 10 talent who just had an off year, and so his draft stock plummeted, but he'll come in, and in uh, two, three years, he'll really be a contributor on the team. And a lot of people have been saying that uh, people in the mid to late first round, um, they may not have as high ceilings, but they're 
they're able to come in and play immediately and contribute to an NBA team. So it's just kind of a weird draft because normally you see, like you said, there's a couple stars at the top of the draft like Zion Williamson or John Morant. And then after that, there's really not much. But this year, it's just kind of like a, a, like the spectrum between like the number one pick and the number 15 pick probably isn't as large as it would be in mostly most years. And you mentioned players coming in and contributing immediately. And I mean, just to disagree with you on that, looking at it, I mean, how many weeks are we away from the NBA season starting? Six weeks. I mean, those players haven't been able to ha- play professional basketball for, I-, I guess not professional, but like organized basketball for how long they're going to come in. They're going to get drafted. They're going to have about a month to be able to like start working on things and get advice from like their assistant or head coaches, you know, work with like team trainers and things like that. I just don't think there's going to be enough time for the majority of these players to get ready, which I think, which is probably really going to throw a wrench in their development overall. So I'm happy that the jazz are in the twenties in large part, because this is just a hard year to draft. And I mean, while understandably Dante Exum had injury issues for his career up to this point, and Ennis Cantor hasn't been a complete bust in the league, I'm glad that the Jazz aren't in a situation, you know, with a pick around number five, where they're going to just have that much of a lottery's chance of getting someone good. And like you said, hopefully they'll be able to pick someone up good with the 23rd pick. But I mean, worst case scenario they don't, and they're able to just to try to keep developing through other means and picking up new players via other methods. Yeah, that is, that is an interesting thought, and maybe you're just not going to see a lot of rookies that just don't have good rookie seasons. And so maybe their sophomore season or their third season in the NBA will be a better indicator of whether they're a bust or not. Um, but that being said, if, if you're the Jazz, um, obviously there's... There's a lot of different players to choose from, so I, um, it'd be tough to like pick one player that you're definitely going to want, especially since you don't know who's going to be available on the board at 23. But what kind of player would you be looking for if you were the Utah Jazz? So, I mean, I would honestly be looking for like a small power forward, or maybe not like just somewhere in that range, a three or a four is what I'd be looking at. Someone that you can put in the G League and develop and hopefully bring to the team, you know, in a year or two. I just have always, I really like that position overall, but they don't necessarily have like a super good four. I mean, when you're playing Joe or um, Bogey at the four, like that's really small, which is fine. The Jazz were able to be very successful with that. But if you're able to get a you know, a four who can shoot, which is a lot to ask, especially at the 23rd pick. But that's ideally who I'd want. Um, the five or so mock drafts that I've looked at all have the Jazz taking a point guard, which actually really shocked me. And I guess that that would be a much pick looking a lot more at the future. Because right now you do have Conley and you do have Donovan Mitchell and you do have Joe Ingles. So that would probably be looking, you know, who can we get so four or five years down the line they're developed and 
We don't have to rely on Joe and Conley's probably gone. But I think Donovan is going to be the ball handler of the future for the Utah Jazz. Is he going to be like a quote-unquote point guard? Maybe not. But he's definitely going to be taking the ball handling responsibilities. So I wouldn't be looking at a point guard, but I could see where the Jazz would possibly take one. Especially if that ends up kind of being the best available player at that point. Yeah, and I do think in a lot of mock drafts, um, people will spend time on the lottery. But then once it gets past the lottery, they're just going to take, like, have each team take the best available player on the board as long as that makes sense. So, like, if you're, the, if you're like, the Cavs are in the lottery, but if the Cavs weren't in the lottery, you see them having their two best players are power forward and center. So if the best player available is a center, they're probably not taking that. So I'm guessing most people don't dig as deep into those later picks into understanding what the team is actually looking for. They just kind of take a quick look at the roster and say, sure, they could have a backup player here. Um, but from what I've heard, um, so the executive vice president of the Utah Jazz, uh, Dennis Lindsay, he said that he they're really looking for uh, someone who can't like has defensive integrity, so maybe not a lockdown defender, but someone who has potential to um, grow as a defender and anyone being coached by Quinn Snyder is going to come out a better defender. And so I think they're looking for someone with defensive p- potential. Uh, and he also said that they would love if it's someone who didn't compromise spacing on the offensive end. So uh, when I hear that, I don't think point guard, I think um, like, like a wing player, like a three and D wing, or maybe a stretch five. And so that's that's pretty much exactly what you said, uh, like a four or five who can shoot. Um, the tough part with the Jazz, though, is like you said, we have a shorter season and it, it takes time to really fit into the Jazz system defensively. Um, I think the Jazz saw that going, like even after a normal offseason going into the season um, this last year, uh, they didn't really click after they brought in a lot of new players, and it took some time in the season to really um, click both on defense and offense. And so I wonder if the Jazz will be looking for someone who, like you said, they can develop for a couple of years and then have them be a big part of the rotation once uh, some of our the Jazz older players either have left the team, retired, or um, are just not playing as big of a role in the rotation. Or if they're looking for someone who can come in and they don't really, their their play style, they can still contribute even if they don't know the jazz system. So if they come in and just get like um, a three-point specialist, you don't really need to know the offensive or de- defensive system incredible, incredibly to come in and contribute because you can come in, hit two, three threes a game, leave, and then you've done your part. Kind of like a Kyle Korver sort of player. Yeah, and that would definitely be the most effective goal if you're if you were trying to like get them on the court ASAP. And in my mind, I really just think that whatever happens, the Jazz just need to put them in the G League. I'm not sure if there's any concerns with that, like if it shows a lack of faith in the player or things like that. But I mean, they haven't played basketball best case scenario since March. That's a long time. And just with the really, really short 
turnaround between the draft and you, the first game of the season, if you put them in the G League, and I guess, to be honest here, I don't know. I haven't looked at if the G League's still going or what's going on there and what the logistics are for their season this upcoming year, but I think that would be the best call. Let them play basketball. Let them spend time like getting a lot of attention and being able to have the ball kind of like the jazz did with, um, Oh, come on the Duke player. Who's now in, um, who's now in Memphis. I can't remember his name. Um, Grayson Allen. There we go. Kind of like they did with him where they did bring him up kind of towards the end of the season. But if I remember, he spent most of his time in the G league on his two way contract. So that's what I feel like would be the most successful for the Jazz, since you're not going to get someone with the 23rd pick who's going to be contributing and making your team significantly better to the point where it's worth having him on the NBA roster versus the G League roster, in my opinion. I think that um, that would probably be the best option for that player's development long term. But a- after this offseason, uh, the Jazz... I don't. I think they're going to have some issues with depth on the team, especially since they're probably going to um, overpay for Jordan Clarkson because of how big of a deal he was for the team, and I'm sure other teams are willing to pay him quite a bit. So, a good portion of the cap will be paying your sixth man, and then it's going to be tougher to find in find those players that will fit in uh, on the bench. Um, obviously, they do have. <coughs> Um, a good amount of the bench players still under contract, but um, I wonder if they'll be looking for someone who can just add to that depth. Uh, but that would be interesting. Like, um, that'd be more of like a free agency talk to understand what their plan is for, um, their draft pick in the future or starting the season even. But do you think the Jazz have any intentions of trading their pick? for um, either a player that can help them win now or future assets like draft picks down the line and potentially stronger drafts. I wouldn't be opposed to them trading their draft pick for a draft pick down the line. Um, I guess you said you brought up those depth depth concerns. I'm not entirely I'm not entirely well enough versed on the roster to be able to like see kind of where they could patch that right now or what the biggest issues are. Like you said, Jordan Clarkson is going to be a big contract and we're going to have to see where Rudy Gobert falls on how much money he's getting since he's earned a really big paycheck. But with you said about trading it for a player to help them win now, I mean, if they were able to do that, I think they would. I just don't know how much you can get for a 20 for the 23rd pick. And I would be concerned about the jazz trading future draft picks, because if I remember correctly, I think they're already kind of, I think they've already stretched themselves pretty thin on draft picks that they've traded down the line. And that's really concerning for the jazz six, seven years from now. So I think trying to get someone you can develop now or get someone who you can win now, um, would definitely be the two like ideal scenarios trading it for someone down the line. Doesn't seem like a good call in my book. Yeah. I, if I were to trade the pick, 
and I was the Jazz, um, I'd probably be looking for a second round pick this year and either a solid role player along with that or a future first rounder from the team that you're trading that uh, your pick for. And I think the Jazz, in that case, they can... I think there's some decent talent in the second round or some good talent that might fall to the second round. And in that case, the Jazz can pick like pick them up, keep them in the G League, and develop them there when with the second round pick, you're not really expecting them to come onto the roster. And then if they can get a role player who can fit in right now with veteran experience, that would be better for the Jazz now than picking a rookie who could come in and then you have to show them the ropes before they can really make a huge difference. Um, that being said, I don't know if there's a team out there that would uh, give that much for a 23 overall pick. Unless it's draft night and there's a player that they really love right there and then that pick would become more valuable for that specific team. So I don't think the Jazz are going to be trading their pick before draft night, but I bet they will be listening to offers if anyone calls on draft night for their pick. Yeah, I feel like when you're at the 23rd pick, I mean, especially when you have a team that can play at the caliber at the level that the Jazz team does play right now with Donovan, with Gobert, with Conley, that you're just open to anything. Like obviously if they had a top 3 pick, like they're locked in, they know who they're getting like it's not going to change draft night barring something crazy happening. So I definitely think the jazz will be open. I would not be surprised to see them make a move, but like you said, because it's the 23rd pick and because of the value there, like I don't think it's going to happen because it's just, I don't think there's another team in the league who would benefit from it. So, I mean, as much as I'd love the jazz to get a trade where they're the only one who benefits from it, like I don't think that's going to happen yeah um so i'm i'm hoping this pick turns into something exciting i think there's potential there as i said i think there's some really good talent that people are underrating right now just um because they they either didn't have a great season their one season in college or um maybe they weren't a freshman they were like a sophomore junior so teams want younger players now so I bet the Jazz um, could pick up a good player who can make a difference in the next couple years. But then again, I feel like the Jazz historically, they draft for potential more than they draft for talent now. And uh, that may change now that they're um, in more of a win-now state. Um, But even back when they were, like with Darren Williams and back in the Stockton Malone days, I feel like a lot of the times they were drafting more for potential. That's what they did when they drafted Stockton. Um, And so maybe the Jazz plan just already, they just know they're going for someone who they think can develop into, who has the highest ceiling rather than someone who can play a role in their rotation uh, this year or next. Yeah, and once you get out of lottery, I really think that that's where you get to the point where the best decision is to draft for ceiling, um, just because overall it gives you the most value down the line. It gives you the a best the best player. It gives you the ability to trade them. 
I mean, if they have a really high ceiling, it definitely gives you the ability to trade them even if they're not playing that well because people like see that potential. And so it'll be just a really intriguing draft. I know we didn't get super into like who the Jazz are going to take, but I mean, anyone who's able to do that knows a lot more and has been able to put in a lot more time than us. So I don't, we're just not going to try to pretend to have any idea who they could take. Um, An interesting pick for the Jazz um, in the second round, just off the top of my head, because I was thinking about this. And this is in large part because, you know, I really am a BYU basketball fan. Yoli Childs is going to be super interesting. Um, He averaged 22.2 points a game, nine rebounds, two assists. 57% um, from field goals and 48% from three. Um, His free throw percentage was abysmal at 53%. And he's 22. So, I mean, he's definitely older than most most NBA teams are looking for. But he's going to go in the um, second round or have a chance at, like, tryouts afterwards as an undrafted free agent. And while I don't see him being, you know, like, really big player down the line. If he developed into, um, but he could really develop into an off the bench guy with a lot of success, especially with his three point shooting ability. So I am excited to see where he went. And I do think he could fit in with the jazz. Um, I always have some reservations about the jazz taking a low, um, a player from the state. I think it puts a lot of pressure on the organization from the fans to try to do things. That's just not healthy for the team. So don't know if he's going to end up going to the Jazz, but I think that would be super exciting um, to watch him play on the Stars and or just in the G League in general and um, see what he can develop into. Yeah, and um, if, if the Jazz are looking for that, I think most people are predicting that he won't get drafted in the second round or if he does, it's a later second round pick. So the Jazz wouldn't really have to give up much to get that draft pick if they're looking for that. Or they might just be able to sign him to their G League team and just work him out and keep him keep him around. I'm sure a lot of BYU fans would be excited about that. Um, but before we we close off this episode, we've been talking about the Jazz. So we've been mainly talking about what the Jazz are looking for or players in like the 20 to 26 range on most mock drafts. Um, but what what's your opinion? There's there's a lot of controversy right now um around who should be picked first and um who other teams should pick and so i think most mock drafts are saying that really the the four top players are anthony edwards uh denny avdia james wiseman and Lamelo ball and the the top four picks are the t wolves the warriors the hornets and the bulls and so um where do you think those four players will be drafted if they are the top four like what order and do you think um those teams would benefit from having those or should they trade the pick to another team who may benefit more from that so i'm not super well versed on what they need um i don't think james weissman is go well i don't think he's gonna go to golden state like 100 percent confident there um no reason for LaMelo Ball to go to Golden State. And overall, while I think it would be really interesting to see Golden State, you know, use their pick and keep it, um, 
I think the best decision would be for them to trade it and try to get some more depth. Um, I don't know what options would be available for them. Um, looking at it, the T-Wolves, they already, I mean, the T-Wolves, remind me, Carl or Anthony Towns is still on the T-Wolves, yes. right? So the, their main so core is they uh, D-Lo and Cat. So, I mean, you don't need a center on that team. Like, Cat is already super big. I don't think getting James Weissman would be best for him or for the T-Wolves. And James Weissman has said that he doesn't want to be drafted by the T-Wolves. So, uh, I I don't think the Timberwolves will be looking for that. That definitely seals the deal there. That definitely seals the deal. Um, As for the Mellow Ball, I'm just going to put him on the Bulls because I don't think that anyone else should pick him. Like, he's just... I understand he probably... He would have a lot of potential, but... The Ball family just has issues, and it's been really, really hard with his older brother. Like, I just think that that's going to hurt his draft stock, but we'll see. Um, So, looking at it, I definitely think that... And I mean, I am looking at the a mock draft right now. I can definitely see Anthony Edwards going first, which is what I've seen overall. Just because a shooting guard, from my limited understanding, seems to fit the T-Wolves better. Um, and then... That puts me pretty much putting James Weissman on the Hornets just because I don't think, I think the mellow ball is going to drop all the way and I don't think Golden State's going to take him to, and then Denny Avdiha um, to Golden State. Small forward seems like it would fit their small ball style of play um, and seems to probably make the best decision and he is international in a way that LaMelo, LaMelo Ball isn't, even though LaMelo Ball is. And there's always kind of like a bit more of a lottery aspect to that, where you can get someone who tanks. Or, you know, you can go and get Luka Doncic and have him be like the face of the league in the next five, six years. So I don't want the Warriors to have the face of the league in the next five, six years. But that's probably the most bang for your buck is taking an international player. No, imagine that Denny turns into like Luca 2.0, and then now the Warriors have Steph Clay and Luca 2.0, and then you just like it's game over. <laughs> I don't want to imagine another Warriors dynasty when the current one might not even be over yet. So I, that's not something I'd look forward to. But I think I think you see the Warriors look to trade that. And try to get a bit more win now stuff, you know, especially since their their roster depth after signing KD and going through all that kind of took a hit. I I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens in the top four. I think Anthony Edwards is going number one. I think that's the best fit for the T Wolves, and he has a lot of potential. Um, he's a he's a big shooting guard. He's like the size of a linebacker, so. Um, that would be interesting to see how he fits in. Um, I'm curious to see what the Warriors do. A lot of people have been saying they should take James Wiseman um, because they need a center. Um, and size is starting to be more important after the Lakers won the championship because that's how the NBA works is they swing hard to whoever the last champion was. But there are rumors that they really do like Denny. Uh, if I was the Hornets... And I would just go for whatever the highest chance of a Grand Slam is because they need something to um, 
really push them over the edge to a consistent playoff team, and they can't really afford a a wasted number three pick, even if they turn out to be a decent starter, they need to find someone who can be a franchise player. So um, if I were the Hornets, and I would go for either LaMelo Ball or uh, Denny Avdia if he's still on the board, uh, just because um, they may have more bust potential, but they also have higher ceilings from um, what most people are seeing in them. And if they if the Hornets get someone like Lamelo Ball that will sell tickets, uh, even though that's not really going to help them this season, so maybe that might not turn out if he sh- turns up to be a bust after his first year, and then they don't get any of the ticket revenue from that. But this is an interesting draft, so it'll be interesting to see if any picks are traded and what picks are traded and uh, who goes where. Uh, I'm. I don't know how much the teams know or how much they've been able to research into these players. So it will also be interesting to see how those players develop in their next few years. You brought up a really good point with um, the Warriors should take Weissman because of Anthony Davis and what the Lakers did this last season. That wasn't something that I have thought of. And Charlotte, you are also right there where you don't have to pay a bust but I mean, they're going to end out maxing out whoever they pick as long as they're decent. So going as big as you can, if they bust, you don't have to pay them. But if they, you know, go up to all-star caliber, at least you have, at least the person you're going to be maxing out is an all-star caliber player. So, but like you said, it's going to be a long time before we actually know just based on this off season and the like. So Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of Called Bank. Please remember to um, rate us wherever you listen to your podcast and share us with a friend. We're super excited to cover the upcoming season here in about a month and a half. And so we will talk to you guys more next week.